Well, good morning, Jim. Hi, Ralph. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Okay, and welcome to our listeners. Glad to uh, be here at the university with our sound effects. Yes, indeed, in our palatial studio. <laughs> indeed. Well, you know, Ralph, we've talked in the last while about some of the, oh, I don't know, problems that are out there in the world. And there are lots of them. Yeah, but that can kind of bring people down. Yeah, and you know, one of the things we want to do today is to kind of switch trajectories and talk to our listeners about some of the things that make for a happier life. You know, Martin Seligman, um, kind of the father of positive psychology, um, has done some work with happiness. He has. And you know the story behind why he got involved with optimism? Well, I, I know uh, a little bit about it. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, what you know? Well, if, uh, let's see, he was uh, really involved with uh, you know, clinical psych and um, anxiety and pessimism. And um, apparently he was fairly grouchy. He said, we're University of Pennsylvania, and people would avoid him because of his grouchiness. And he was talking to his daughter one day. His daughter said, Dad, if I can give up eating candy, uh, how come you can't give up being grouchy? And that hit him like right between the eyes. And so he changed his attitude and started to do work on optimism and positive things. Okay. So, you know, I guess what we have to do, Ralph, is uh, we've got to turn off our social media, uh, turn off the news, uh, and put a smile on our face, right? Well, yeah, and it, it can't be um, an artificial smile. So how do you get a real smile? Well, if you have a life that is rich with positive emotions, if you feel good generally through the day, if you have great or at least good relationships with friends, you have strengths that you can practice, and you have a sense of purpose, you're a long way further toward being a happy person. Whoa. Well, I mean, those all sound good, but uh, as a clinical psychologist, I know that uh, a lot of people are just plain missing out on some of those. Well, there's no doubt about that, Jim, and one of the things that we can say to people is uh, it starts at a very basic level. It starts with eating nourishing food. Okay, so... The bottom of uh, Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like yeah. Eating nourishing food. Now, we have not mentioned um, protecting your family's health lately, but it is available for, from us, free of charge, if you email uh, caro, C-A-R-R-O-1-J-L, at cmish.edu. Uh, I will send it out to you as an ebook. Sounds good. Uh, speaking of ebooks, we've been working on uh, our uh, human trafficking course, right, Ralph? 
We have done that, yeah. and uh, we're pretty close to finishing it, probably another week or two. Yeah. That, now, that's we'll talk about that later, but after working on human trafficking, you know, becomes kind of an antidote to talk about um, happiness. Yeah. Okay. And, so. you know, one of the things, Jim, that uh, we, we know about people who are kind of down all the time and depressed and maybe like Seligman Grouchy, they don't get enough sleep. You know, that's a good point. Um, almost no one gets enough sleep. Yeah, I mean, I've heard people brag. Uh, oh, that they can run on three hours. They right? can run on three hours, sure. yeah. Oh, if I get four hours sleep a night, I'm doing well. Yeah, uh, not so much. Not so much, okay. no. Hey, we have an ebook on that one, too. Yeah. Sleep and sleep disorders. Again, uh, if you're interested in taking a look at it, uh, send me an email. Because, yeah, getting oh, seven or eight hours of sleep each day is each night is I think pretty important the thing that's interesting here Ralph is that the people who need to have regular sleep and more sleep uh, are kids in the age of oh I don't know uh, 10 to 16 okay and uh, uh, the, the children years I, yeah, the, the maturation years the children that I see are not getting that kind of sleep at all. You know, they're staying up, uh, even though their parents put them to bed. You know, they've got their devices on and they're hiding, un you know, under the covers. Oh, you used to do that with books, right? Yeah, yeah. flashlight <laughs> and books. Uh, but electronic but stuff is different. Yeah. But, uh, uh, partially because it's blue light screen. Uh, which tends to stimulate parts of the brain that are not good to be stimulated at night. And secondly, because it's much more addictive than a book. You can read yourself to be tired and fall asleep with the book in your lap. But you uh, play yourself to be wired, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So I suppose that would be on our list too. You know, avoid... Um, an overdose or an overuse of electronics. Yeah, and uh, particularly because, you know, there, there's a cliche in, uh, in journalism that if it bleeds, it leads. So the news tends not to tell the good stories about uh, somebody who, uh, who found a, a stray kitten and rescued a kitty rest. cat. Yeah. yeah, you know. No, that that gets lost in the welter of uh, shot to death, car crash, blah, blah, you know, everything negative, bad, and ugly that you can think about because it sells. Yeah, okay, good point. Um, and, you know, you might say that kids don't uh, focus on the news, but it's there 24 hours a day in their family. And we've got some... Uh, families that have television sets in every room and they're on all the time. So this stuff is getting in. Yeah. Yeah. So and I would say avoid news overdose in general and negative news in particular. Yeah, and uh, I think we mentioned it before, Jim, but you talked about how 
what is it, three minutes of negative news per morning yeah. can set you up for a bad day, all day, eight hours? Yeah. That, um, well, that happened to me, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and I was at a hotel down in Detroit. Got up early, turned on the news to see what the weather was going to be, and three minutes later, you know, it was a downer. Yeah. I, the weather was good, but nothing else was. <laughs> now, one of the other things, and, and this sometimes can be an, an anodyne for uh, negative news, is, uh, you know, you, you hear negative news and you say, gee, that made me feel pretty bad. Well, that's a good time, if you can, to go out and get some exercise. Take a walk, even just if it's around the block. Okay, so exercise is good for, for you. Um, I heard or read someplace that optimally we should have about 150 minutes of moderate exercise per week. Per week. So yeah. What does that come out to? 20 minutes a day or something like that? 20 minutes a day is, is lots. Now, you can look at a lot of people today and many people look like they get two hours of exercise every day because they're slim and trim and fit. But there are other people who look like the picture of them should be in the dictionary under sloth. <laughs> and, you know, they, uh, they don't get any exercise. You know, they, they go to work, they sit at a desk chair eight hours a day, they come home, they turn on the TV and they sit in their chair and they don't don't move for most of the evening. So that contributes to uh, the grumpiness that uh, Seligman's daughter uh, noted, right? Yeah, Probably. I mean, you're, you're watching, uh, even if you're watching comedy, uh, you end up saying, Oh, these these things are so formula. They, you know, and even comedy uh, was getting not so funny when I uh, turned it off. Um, this week, an actor from Friends died, and uh, my wife and I had never seen this very popular TV show called Friends. Um, other people, you know, look at it religiously. My daughter binge watches episodes of it. So, yeah, I think, you know, you talked about starting the day with a, uh, with exercise. What uh, Sheila and I do is we start the day with a morning devotional. And okay. uh, uh, it fits with our religious beliefs. And, uh, you know, it's all very optimistic and, and hey, we're ready to go. It's like communication from from uh, on high to Jim and Sheila to set the day, you know, positively. Okay, and you know, suppose you're a person who's an agnostic or an atheist, even, uh, and you say, "Well, I don't believe in that stuff." You know what? Doing five minutes of meditation or mindfulness. Uh, will have a similar effect. Mm-hmm. I believe you. Meditation, uh, the, the pastor said the other day, 
is just another word for prayer. Yeah. So that's some that's a, something that I can understand. Uh, other people, you know, may use various forms of of getting into a mind mind mindful set, um, but using numbers, mm -hmm. looking at a candle. Uh, you like to go out and just be in nature. Yeah, I find that very calming, and uh, it you know makes me. Uh, much happier when I come back uh, into my regular activities. Back into your regular mind? <laughs> yeah, into my regular mind, such as it is. <laughs> One of the things that uh, contributes to happiness, and Seligman talked about this, and we will put that uh, uh, TED Talk under uh, Learn More, but he talked about three kinds of happiness. One was uh, the Oh, what do you call it? The French vanilla ice cream okay. happiness. You know, you take a bite of French vanilla ice cream. It tastes fantastic. It tastes wonderful. But after about three bites, you know, it's kind of gone. And another one was the doing something that you really enjoy. Right. Uh, that was the second form. But the third form that had the most lasting effect was when you're doing something that you really enjoy and it's meaningful. Okay. And... You know, I see a lot of people, uh, you mentioned people who go into work and sit in their chair at work, and, and I talk to them about what they're getting out of their day, and you know, Ralph, they hate it. Yeah, they, the, the truth is that a lot of uh, the work that is done today in, in offices for the people doing it, is it is essentially uh, rote tasks that are fairly meaningless to them. Mm -hmm. And there's another part of it too. And I was listen, listening to uh, NPR yesterday, and they were doing a story on healthcare provider burnout. Mm -hmm. And healthcare providers, no question, are doing a very meaningful job, but they're so overloaded uh, and and bureaucratized that they don't have time really to do the work that they were trained to do with actual human beings. Yeah. So and, the and system has taken the, the meaning out of healthcare. And part of that, I think, Jim, is that uh, when you mention bureaucratized, uh, so much of healthcare now focuses on um, the method by which records are kept so that insurance companies can reimburse the patient. And so you spend a lot of your time as a healthcare worker documenting things uh, and less time actually working with a patient. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is, I think, frustrating for a lot of healthcare workers because, you know, they got into their career because they wanted to help people. Well, you know, we've looked in the last 15 minutes, Ralph, at things that can contribute to a happy life. Eating well, getting enough sleep, keeping company with positive people, avoid social media overdose and, and uh, negative news overdose. Get your, 20, get your 20 minutes. Exercise, yeah. Uh, do something meaningful every day. And you know, one of the things that you say, well, how do I, uh, 
how do I do that? I mean, you know, uh, it sounds kind of overwhelming. Well, one of the ways is to monitor your energy temperature. So if you said, right now, do I feel energized? Uh, not so much, maybe not at all. I'm a one <laughs> on a scale of one to 10. There are going to be times during the day that you feel like a 10. So pay attention to that and try and figure out what contributed to your 10-ness, right? Right. And so I say to, uh, to you guys, I'm, right now I feel like a 9 or 10. Well, Mr. 10, this is Jim. <laughs> and Ralph. Saying... Keep your stick on the ice because we're all in this together. together.